concert hall. Now that the wings were cleared of the musicians, there was an obligatory pause in proceedings before the leader would make his appearance. Tonight, however, that pause seemed unusually prolonged. Old George is keeping them waiting again, remarked the stage manager to the lanky youth beside him. From his cubicle in the wings, he could see the orchestra on his television monitor. A glance to the left would alert him to any performers arriving from their dressing rooms backstage. The remark might have been intended for the retreating figure of Brendan Phillips, the orchestra manager, who was responsible for escorting the principals to and from their dressing rooms. He gave no sign of having heard the stage manager's words, however, as he walked briskly around the corner and out of sight. Not wanting to come out to play tonight, joked the boy, who was staring at the empty area behind them. Oh, he'll be here all right. Brendan will chase him up, don't you worry, the stage manager replied confidently. Knowing that Brendan Phillips had disappeared off in the direction of the artiste's corridor to fetch George Miller. The boy gave a sudden grin and sloped off after Phillips. Making you run around after them tonight, eh? The boy's question made the orchestra manager break his stride for just a moment. Colin, the newest recruit amongst the orchestra's drivers and shifters, was ever eager to fraternize with the names, as he called them. Phillips had tolerated the lad's star-struck behaviour, but it was becoming a bit of a nuisance. All the other shifters were downstairs in dressing room one, where they could drink tea and smoke to their heart's content, no doubt listening to the football on the radio. He pretended to ignore the boy who had latched onto him, continuing along the corridor to the four rooms named after Scottish locks that were reserved for guest artistes and management. Brendan Phillips stopped outside Mora, the second best dressing room that tonight was occupied by the leader of the orchestra. Their guest conductor, Victor Poliakowski, would be pacing up and down next door in Lomond, the suite kept for the biggest name. Phillips was agitated. Normally, he would have closed the door stage left after the final musician had trooped out of the wings. Then it was only a short stride to the dressing rooms to alert the leader. But tonight everything seemed to have gone wrong. He'd spent time dashing back and forth behind the scenes. First, it had been a spare reed for a flautist who was temping, then a new set of music for the harpist. She had been sitting stage right, making frantic gestures at him until he'd translated her sign language into a plea to fill her empty music stand. So he'd been later than usual, forced as he was to go all the way round from the stage manager's cubicle to alert the leader. Colin, hovering behind him, was an irritant that Phillips could quite do without, yet the orchestra manager's desire to maintain an air of composure overcame his annoyance. Phillips knocked politely, his knuckles light on the blonde wood of the door. There was no response. The orchestra manager gave a rat-a-tat that was intended to sound peremptory. Maybe he's in the loo, suggested Colin, who was still hovering at Phillips's shoulder. Brendan Phillips didn't deign to answer, but twin creases between his brows revealed a growing anxiety. It was his head that would roll if there were a glitch in the proceedings. The orchestra manager turned the handle and stepped into the dressing room.
At first, the room appeared to be empty. Only the violin nestling in its open case gave any sign of the musician's presence. Brendan scanned the room before taking a further step inside. Then he saw him. Even though he was lying face down, the orchestra manager knew it was George Miller, leader of the City of Glasgow Orchestra. Brendan was aware of a gagging noise behind him, but he couldn't move, nor could he take his eyes off the body. Half of George's balding skull shone from the overhead light in the bathroom. The rest was a blackened mass. Blood from a head wound had dripped onto the blue bathroom tiles, creating a dark stain that had spread all the way down, reddening the man's grizzled beard. Brendan could see the tip of his wing collar sticking up like a bright scarlet flag. In those first moments...